Hello, everyone. My name is Suki Thompson. Welcome to Reset, the podcast, a place for you to get some inspiration and advice to help you live a more fulfilling work life. I do hope that your journey to feel more connected, more inspired, just a bit more energized starts here. Take a moment now with me to reset. This week, my guest is Bisha Kadal, Director of Business Marketing at Pinterest. She talks to me about speaking out and giving other people a chance to have their voices heard, which I believe is so important in creating open and collaborative cultures. Bisha shares her insight into how she felt that her life was dictated to as a young Indian woman. She believes society often sets the rhythm as we as humans are expected to follow it, whether that's our friends, partners, education, or career paths. It can become so linear that people lose sight of who they really are. She explains how she took her moment of reset and broke away from this, from what she felt she perhaps was being made to do to what she really wanted to do, to find her own rhythm in the extremely creative advertising and marketing industry. With an early career at MTV, Thinkbox and Google, it became apparent the excitement of this industry brought out the very best in her. Her passion for her work, her people and a desire to drive change has helped her define herself again. Together we discuss not only how to speak up ourselves, but how to really encourage our people to speak up and out. We reflect on some truly horrible bosses who made us doubt our own confidence and just how daunting speaking up can be in that environment. She reveals her top tips for personal growth, which is to take time to stay on top of trends, learn more, listen to others, and that can really help ensure that what you say is correct as well as relevant. I think Bisha ultimately reminds me that life is a learning process. You don't always have to be right, but just be open to others, kinder than kind, and maintain a positive outlook. I hope you enjoy the show today. If you do, please pass it on to your colleagues and click on the like button. We'd love to know who you are. Thanks very much. Hello, how are you today? It's so lovely to see you. Great, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Good, well, I'm going to start by the question that I ask most people. And and as you know, because we've done workshops with you as well, on a scale of one to 10, how energized do you feel today? I feel like I'm about a eight, actually. Because it's like the end of the week. I'm quite excited about next week because we've got this big thing happening. And also I'm getting a chance to talk to you. So that's also brilliant. Um, to be sure, I was really excited to talk to you. Um, and I did sort of twist your arm slightly. Uh, because I want to talk about, you know, the, I think the theme for me when I think about you is speaking out, having a having a voice, 
um, you know, not just at Pinterest where you work, um, but you personally uh, and some of the things that you've done. But, you know, I, I think that must be quite hard. But I'd like to start by kind of, can we go back to your background so we know a little bit about you? And then we can, then that can kind of be put into context. Tell me a little bit about your parents and where you grew up and and the background that you've got. Yeah. Oh, okay. I I will. Actually, I was quite terrified of this question because I thought every time I talk to you, Siki, we end up having such a such a real in depth talk, and then I'm like sharing everything that I've got going on. So I'll do my best. Uh, but you know, look, I um, I uh, grew up in East London. My parents were obviously from India and um, emigrated over here, and you know, started like businesses and and their life here. And because I was in this like really kind of small part of um, East London, where it was pretty much like a Pakistani Indian black community, I actually that that that's kind of all I knew. If I'm honest, I, like it wasn't an amazing place to live. It was pretty dangerous. Um, but that's kind of what I thought. People kind of you know that was that was it. That was most of the universe for me as well. And I didn't because um, that area forest gate is where i grew up um you know we didn't have many people that were white or from like different countries um right uh, as well so i um you know i kind of started like that uh went to college had um uh, my parents were very traditional i'd say um and you know i had quite a hard upbringing i would say too you know my um mum suffered from domestic violence and things like that. We grow, you know, we grew up with not much. And, you know, mum and dad broke up, of course, for the right reasons. And mm. yeah, so I was quite young and uh, living with a, a single mum who was trying to do her best, doesn't know English very much. And um, it was me, my brother and my sister really living with her. So I know that makes it sound like a very, makes it sound very sad, but, you know, I think those, growing up like that really taught me something and who I am today so I really appreciate and value everything my mum did for me when when she was bringing us up mm. and did you while you were going through that and then I guess as you're growing up and then thinking about your future did it make you go I need to be successful because I don't want to be in that environment again or did you feel loved and encouraged to do whatever you want what were the kind of things going through your head yeah that's a really good question so obviously coming from an Indian culture there's a lot of people it, generally Indian society and Indian culture they kind of dictate your life for you so you know you have to be um got to be in a good job and actually typically the jobs are like lawyer working in a bank or um you know something like that so I um I kind of thought that was my future goal and you know I don't think a lot of schools had great like career advice as well so I kind of didn't know what I'm supposed to be doing and people in my family were you know entrepreneurs my family come from a very entrepreneurial background as well like they set up businesses here and things like that and you know a lot of the people in my family kind of did very like desk typical desk type jobs um as well and I kind of didn't know what I really wanted to do. And I think you're like, my mom just wanted me to get married into <laughs> a really good family. And my dad had left by that point too. So um, like advertising, now I'm in the space and tech, like that was just, I never knew I would yeah. end up there. 
Um, but I think because of the fact that, fact that society tells you what to do quite a lot, you kind of follow the rhythm of it. And your life does become this kind of linear process of like you go to the schools that your friends go to or you'll go to the university where you friends go to, actually. And you sort of follow that rhythm. So I think that's kind of where I ended up. Um, and, you know, and then I actually got a job at I did various different stints in like uh, MTV and Channel 4. Um, and that's when I was getting my first sort of like, oh, wow, hold on. This is interesting. It's quite vibey here. You know, maybe this could be something that I do. And I was obviously studying media and communication too at, at university. So that's kind of what was opening my mind in terms of like, I, you know, I quite like this broadcasting space. It's just really inviting to me. So that's kind of how I started off. So how did that that kind of change in, you know, you said there was a great expectation in a may, way for you to be certainly married and then, you know, a lawyer or a more traditional role. And you didn't even start in that space, really, did you? No, not really. And there are these expectations that happen. And actually, sometimes you do take them on. So, you know, I did get married <laughs> quite young, actually. Um, I oh, married, I think I was 24 years old. Wow. So, yeah. And, you know, you don't have your wits about you at 24 years. Well, apologies to anyone that's 24 years old and listen to this right now. But my older self is telling my younger self that and you don't really know who you are, who you want to be, how you should show up. So I think it always uh, it's it's quite difficult to to do that. And I also got married in quite a um, traditional kind of um, Indian culture as well. So um, there were expectations of like having to like make food at home or um, be at home a certain time or go to family occasions where maybe you didn't want to, but you had to because you're the daughter-in-law. So, um, I mean, I love my marriage for so many things as well, but there are these things that you you feel like you have to and did um, you I think this is so interesting I remember I mean I, I you know I'm I'm English and I come from a big family yeah. um and I do remember not in the same way as you at all but I do remember you know at certain points in my life going why do I have to do this yeah. and I did just do it and you know there were some expectations when we got married of you can do this and I look back now you know and I'm like why well, I, I would never do that again I just would not do those things. And it wasn't even because they were unpleasant. Mm. It just wasn't what I particularly wanted to do or believed in. Um, was there a moment that you were either went, do you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore, or you reset yourself to say, okay, I know this is important to you, but can we can we talk about this? Could I do this in a different way? I, um, I don't think I was very good at doing that if I'm honest um and I, I think it's also because of the 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 pressures of my the, the pressures of my own sort of like cultural background that always make like you know my mum brought me up a certain way it was always like respect your elders and you've got to do this and you've got to do this that was always in my head but I tell you when I did start to reset myself which is you know as you um now you know me really well so my name used to be Norla now it's Cadell and changing your name really means you're resetting your identity it took even though that was my maiden name and it feels quite weird to say that but yes. having to rethink about who you are who you want to be how you should show up what clothes you should wear 
um, you know, I found it hard to even say my name at the at the beginning. So I think that was when I started to really go um, think about what I wanted, how I should, um, whether I wanted to attend something, it's up to me. Um, I don't know whether this is age, by the way, as well, but I also, I do think there's a lot to be said about, um, you do start to change who you are when you go through such a big life uh, moment like that and life change um, too. So it just, it just teaches you something, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, but it's quite, um, yeah, it's a big deal, isn't it? It's a big deal. You know, I was, I've been divorced 15 years. I haven't gone back to my maiden name. Now I've always, you know, and I had a very unusual name because I was Suki Bunker. Oh. I'm obviously Suki Thompson. And I, you know, I sort of kept my name, I guess, because of the kids. Also, Suki Bunker is quite a tricky name. Um, but that's pathetic because actually, you know, it's not a tricky name, is it at all? Um, but I, I wonder, for me, there's a little bit of public... I've actually got to, and of course, everyone knows I'm divorced. It's not like a secret, yeah. but I then have to go through the, do you know what? I'm going to be single again. I'm going to change my name. I'm going to make a big statement about that. And I, and certainly then I, I didn't feel able to do that. Yeah. So I think what you've done is, is actually a very strong statement, but I wonder, did you feel like you had to actually you know, be quite courageous to do that? Yeah, I think I think there's a the mixture of like you need to move on. Um the other thing is is that you know, I, I don't know, I think for me, and this is get now getting very personal, but I feel like we're getting personal anyway. Um, but you know, you you feel like you failed too as well. And you feel like you failed in your <clears throat> marriage. And again, I'm bringing it back to Indian culture, and it's really, really tough for us to go through this um experience. And I uh felt like I didn't tell anybody about it I didn't tell family I kind of kept myself to myself I sort of kind of ran away from the whole thing and um I think you just generally do that because that's how you know that mm. that's how you survive right it you you either sort of be embrace the whole thing or you just feel so sad about it and you just take um you want to keep yourself to yourself and then and that that would be it I'll have to be honest with you when I um, and this is why I love my job so much. When I worked, started working at Pinterest, I really found myself again through the people that I work with, the values of the business, um, you know, building a team. I had uh, there was a lot of energy I was putting into that part of my life, which actually gave me a lot more enthusiasm and positivity. If I'm honest, mm. tell us a little bit about that then, because I think. Look, and it's so interesting you say this because you know, I don't feel personally now any shame about, you know, my marriage. I, I had two wonderful kids from it. They're, mm. they're a great dad. You know, we were both in the industry. So it was quite tricky. But, you know, I genuinely don't. I, I feel sad that I couldn't make my marriage work, but I don't feel shame. And it's very interesting because I saw a really quite a good friend of mine a week or so ago who was separated and for 18 months, I've been really worried about him. And I kept saying, you know, on Zoom calls, are you okay? You know, you don't look great. And then and then he finally said that actually they've been having troubles and they've separated. And he felt a massive amount of shame. Mm. He kept saying, you know, oh, I I kept saying, you know, I've joined the failure, failure club. And I'm like, sorry, uh, you think, you keep saying this. I'm in that club. I don't feel like a failure. Why are you feeling like a failure? Mm. And it, did make me think and I've spoken to a few people since 
and it's and it's much harder than we think. And the of course, there's the emotional impact of it, but a whole load of stuff going around in our heads that I'm not sure should be there, really. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there's a lot we. I think because most of the time people compare each other, right? So, you know, somebody else is doing well in their life and you're like, oh, they've done well. Why can't I make it work? And and also, you know, like there's a lot of love and um, that you have for the person that you were with. So you're sort of going, why couldn't I make it work? This person was amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, again, back to what I was saying, you haven't found yourself. You haven't found the person you want to be and how you want to show up. So... Quite naturally, we feel like um, we don't all have the answers, do we, in our in our lives? So, I don't know, maybe I'm just trying to think. Like potentially, it, it, it could have been that too. Maybe, maybe it's interesting, isn't it? But then I, I'm therefore I am fascinated, and I've told this story quite a lot. That when I started Oyster Catchers, I'd been divorced for I don't know, eighteen months, two years or so, and Peter Cowie, absolutely, as well as being my business partner, helped me become the person I am now helped me refine myself give myself confidence all those things that you'll be maybe beginning to say that maybe some of the things you felt and and Mr. Catchers did and the clients and the people I worked with and I you know I still look back and reflect on that time in many ways that was the bit that was so important to me of course building a business and all of those things but they were very inextricably linked for me and and it feels like maybe the same thing with you at Pinterest yeah, no, I completely believe that actually. And I also think um uh everyone always says, Oh, the universe is trying to nudge you in the right way. And it's like, can it just nudge me a bit faster, please? Because it's lost that. Where are the answers? But um, I think you're right. Like your relationship teaches you something, being the human you are, your job teaches you something and moves you into the next direction. And this is why I always talk about like feedback is such a gift because I'm trying to grow and be a better human and I'm not going to get it right actually I I never get it right but you know I think that's why when I've um when I joined Pinterest there was uh, it's a very different culture to what I was used to I obviously moved from Thinkbox to to Google to then Pinterest and I think like um like Pinterest is so creative it's so um I'm embedded into the DNI um of of the business the values of the business so you know being one of the leaders there for um across the mayor it's just been so fulfilling for me to start to think about how I could be a better leader and help other people and I think that's bit taken my focus away on all of this other stuff that's been happening in my life because I think that really really fulfills me in terms of seeing someone grow in their career, seeing someone's project come to life, um, how people are proud of the stuff that they do too. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess like for me, it's just been um, probably a hard few years, but I think this is the moment where I'm feeling quite comfortable in my own space and not thinking about that failure piece that we just talked about. Yeah, and I can see that. And, I'd, you know, I'd love you to share, share a little bit about the journey of Pinterest because it is for me, it was such an eye-opener when we started working with Pinterest because I didn't really know much about the business. I didn't really, you know, I met you and then you, you arrived there, but um, the culture is very strong and it's got a lovely, to me, very open, honest, transparent, quite courageous culture in a way. I wonder what it feels like from inside. 
Um, do you know what? It actually feels like that too. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's it's a growing business, as you know, um, and that's why I sort of joined the company too, was just to set up this uh, EMEA business marketing team. So um, it's, it's growing from strength to strength in terms of like the talent that we're bringing in, the stories that we're telling. And, you know, it goes back to the company mission. And I think everybody here really like, really believes that mission and, and wants to embrace it because the the, uh, the mission is um, building, creating a life that you love and, um, you know, inspiration is the heartbeat of the platform. And, and the reason why I think people really feel quite connected with that is because that's kind of what we want as human beings right now. You know, we've, we've all had a hard few years, whether it's from, COVID and getting through COVID and getting, uh, you know, through the pandemic, whether you're thinking about, you know, the financial crisis that we're sort of going through right now, or again, like we just discussed our own personal lives um, too, which is it's not always about work, your personal life does affect you. Mm -hmm. And I think being inspired and being very creative and feeling like you um, can do that for other people is, is, is quite a strong value. And, and I think because of that, people really, aim for extraordinary like the 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 uh people that I work with really inspire me teach me things uh you know no one is brilliant at their one part of their job you kind of need to have this kind of cross-functional effort and Pinterest is very much a cross-functional company you know you work with different parts of the business all the time and I just love that you know working in across Europe I'm learning other cultures my team in Germany were trying to teach me some German phrases and I tried to repeat it back and I was like this is the worst and they were like please stop talking like this, <laughs> you're not very good at this so it's brilliant it's all about opening your aperture and I think you know when you've uh, work across different markets work with other people work with people that have very different privileges or gone through um different experiences it it makes you more aware of how the world really works I think yeah and you know you said that you know you've been kind of championing the DNI conversation there as well and and I and, you know, certainly one of my observations and it is you know across the mirror so of course you've got that kind of instantly sort of international feel in a relatively small company um but as you say great how lovely to be in a company that's growing during this really hard time um how have you been championing that conversation because you know I've talked to a number of my guests about this it is in lots of businesses very hard um what have you been doing uh, so DNI is obviously been a long running conversation in the industry, right? We've always been, everyone has a perspective on it or has a version of what it should be. Um, and, you know, when I joined Pinterest, there wasn't a, there wasn't a women at EMEA, for example. So, um, much our women at group, uh, was set up in the U S and there were global. So they would reach all, um, different parts of the, of the business, but as we started to grow, it felt really like now's the time we need to start to build out chapters. So I launched um, Women at EMEA. I uh, spoke to the global folks. I went and got budget for it. I built out a committee here, built, built out the strategic pillars and started getting everyone to start working together in terms of building up workshops and things like that. And we did talks um, and things like that. And it was a really, like, it kind of gave me strength, actually. It was so great, like, yeah. having some time away from, like, the day-to-day -day and just really focusing on some, like, 
hot topics that really affect women um, and thinking about how we bring men into that conversation because they're incredibly important. So um, I started that when I first joined, which is a bit crazy because my job was so big and I had to build yeah. it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. why don't I just add some more work to myself? So, um, but I think it, it, it helps you thrive when you've got something that adds richness and color to your your own leadership and the, your day-to-day. So it really was fulfilling for me to do that. And I met tons of people. Um, I've since moved into an exec sponsor role because I, I think I felt at one point, it was like, kind of set this up now. And, you know, Women Amia has its own identity and we have some young, amazing women here. It's time to give them that leadership role. So, you know, I sort of took a little bit of a step back and sort of play the role of, um, I'm here to guide and support you, but this is the team that is now going to be um, taking it forward. And um, I'm still heavily involved, but it's it's giving me an opportunity to go, help other women be profiled too. And also, you know, them stacking up their leadership skills, which is really important. So that's kind of where like sort of the women at sort of uh, peace site is sort of build out. And it's it's a huge part of what I do. Um, and the other piece is that I work very closely. We have a global DNI team here and they support marketing so that we are um, we uncover our own unconscious bias and make sure we're fully representative of um, the world mm. and they're being amazing partners. And, you know, when we think about diversity and inclusion, it's actually culture it's actually building the right type of culture and creating belonging so I have to think about culture quite a lot because of my role here and that is why I tend to play um sort of a you know a bigger role in terms of showing up to some of the global forums and expressing an opinion on on what we should be doing to make sure that all communities can thrive at Pinterest um so yeah it's been it's been great and again I'm learning I'm learning so much from that. I'm learning from the global leaders and, and it's not just my perspective that goes through. I'm learning from the people that are sharing back with me all the time. Um, yeah. And, you know, a, a conversation I have a lot with, and you probably do as well, with people that I mentor or just, you know, younger people in the industry um, is that they want to find a voice, but it's hard it's hard to stand up it's hard to speak at a conference it's hard to express your opinion particularly at the beginning um I wonder if you've got some good tips about what what do you do to yourself how do you big yourself up to, to to be able to do it yeah I think that's such a good question and I don't know whether I ever told you this but I was such an introvert when I was much younger so when I worked at Thinkbox I just couldn't like I just didn't speak up I actually had a really mean boss, actually, um, at one point. He used to pick on me. I think I might have told you this before. She used to pick on me on in the way I spoke, because it's very East London, et cetera. And it made me go quiet. So I think for me, it's taken a while for me to get to, like, wanting to speak up, have a voice, have an opinion. Um, and I think what's really helped me over time was – being confident in what I was about to say. Knowledge is your power. Make sure you're always spending time reading, understanding something before you put up your hand and, and speak. Because um, if you have knowledge by your side, anything you put your hand up and say is relevant because you've backed it up by doing the work and figuring out that that is actually an important point of view and I need to express it. Um, and the other thing is about the need to express because 
I think I would be doing a disservice to um, whoever I need to communicate to if I hold back that opinion. They kind of want to hear it because most leaders uh, or most businesses, the way that they're truly relevant is because the company speaks up and shares and expresses a point of view. So I'm always encouraging people within like the Women Act community, my team, et cetera, to just raise your hand. There's nothing stupid you can say, but just make sure you're always thinking about um, being well-read, understanding your um, expertise so that when you do bring an informed opinion across, you're informing other people and you're helping bring them along the way. Um, you know, back to that thing that I said earlier on about losing confidence and in speaking up, I, uh, Lindsay Clay from Thinkbox actually gave me gave uh, a really good tip, which is like, you know, it's terrifying to speak up, actually, or expressing a point of view, especially when you're younger. So um, I don't know where you get this, but there's like a sense of like adrenaline rushing through your body and you don't know what to do. And she gave this amazing tip of as you literally just start to squeeze your hands and it moves that adrenaline in other places. And when you start to do that, it's it makes you feel like I've got this. Uh, and I still do that in meetings when I'm in big meetings because you know it's it's yeah. it's you just can't help that adrenaline run, rushing through you. So I always give that tip to um, some of my yeah. I love that. I love that tip. It's a great tip. And if you were to meet that person who wasn't very nice to you again now with your you know more mature and experienced head on, what would you say to them? How would you deal with them? I think I would just deal with them as I would with anyone else. So to say, hello, how are you? And it's nice to see you again. Because I think you have bad managers across your life, you know, your career. And I've had a few and I've had amazing, powerful women um, support and drive me. But I've also had some people that really brought me down and knocked my confidence. And I don't think, I think the learning is, is you figure out how not to be that so you know having somebody sort of pick on who I am and how I how I how I speak for example I mean I work with people that English is not their first language and I come from a life where my mum you know English yeah. is not her first language and I'm always thinking about her living in a country like this and I'm just thinking please can people be nice to my mum when she's out getting her bus or whatever it is but yeah. you know we have to start to appreciate the fact that people come from all walks of life and if somebody doesn't get your joke it's probably because English is not their first language and they can't understand you and I think what I've learned over time is to have lots more empathy and to realize that somebody like the manager that I had for example years and years ago she probably didn't realize that she broke my confidence so um like was the reason why I didn't do any presentations didn't speak up until god knows like 10 years on so uh, mm. i think your responsibilities as a manager is to make sure that you're helping the introverts helping the people that can't speak up or um are terrified to speak up by just kind of figuring out who they are and how best you can help them and offering them a platform maybe just you know helping them out a bit giving them some coaching or what you were saying earlier on about how do you get people to speak up in a bigger forum? It's just there is always someone really quiet in the room, and maybe it's it could, you could be the person saying, "Hey, um, is there anything you want to say or express anything?" Because they probably feel like they're not wanted, they don't belong, 
And it's up to us to make sure that we help people feel like they belong. Yeah, I completely agree. And that, and I love that point about helping somebody speak out. And, you know, we're not all extroverts and we certainly didn't start that way. I don't think, well, I certainly didn't, neither did you by the sounds of things. Um, Again, what I hear a lot is from people who want to speak up just like you, but they are a little bit bullied or discouraged and and they kind of go, well, I, I don't know quite how to deal with that, particularly if it is somebody more senior. What kind of advice? You know, there are some people that are just not very nice. OK, there's probably nothing you can do. But, I, you know, I like the point that you said, do you know what? She might not have even realised that that's what she was doing or the impact she was having on you. Mm. How would you encourage somebody to to speak up to their boss to even say, look, this is this is what you're making me feel? Oh, that's such a good question. I feel like I've had a few of those um um, those conversations quite recently because of the fact that we're remote working people are challenged with building relationships and working with each other I think mm-hmm. and you know and we're using different types of software where it doesn't feel very human and the only way someone can send an instruction along they might put a smiley face emoji and it's like actually I'm just being I'm actually quite nice um, so communication is is huge I mean, naturally, you would, if you're feeling like you're absolutely, like, bullied or, like, in a severe way, you know, that is why HR is around and making sure that you reach out to the right people is is critical because sometimes we don't feel like escalating something, I can do that. And actually, that's why at Pinterest we have a people care team who I work with very, very closely, and that's their job, is to make sure that people have a great experience at, at Pinterest. And... The other thing is, uh, again, back to my point around, like sometimes somebody doesn't know that that's how they're coming across. Is there is no, we are, we are in a in a business where it's human to human. You know, we're not robots. So I think there is there's a lot of value in putting time in with that person that you're having a challenge with, and just saying, hey, do you know what? Uh, that thing you said to me, it kind of made me feel like this, and I don't know whether you knew that, but I just want to work really well with you and. I, I don't know how to do that, but did I upset you with something? Because, and I, it's almost like throwing it back with like, mm. hey, you you called me out in how I spoke in that meeting. I was like, did I, is that, is that, is that something you want to talk to me about? And the other person would kind of realize, I think that's it. They realize you're, you're helping them uncover their unconscious bias. And, you know, some people are mean and what you're going to do about it. But the best thing you can do for yourself is is take some action on it and don't let it fester like I did. And actually, if I could go back in time and and not let it fester, I think I would have been a very I probably would have got here far sooner. Maybe. Yeah, it's you know, I think you're so right. And, 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 and trying to have that I mean, it is a confrontational conversation, but trying to have it in an almost non-confrontational way, I think is really important. And I think, you know, one of the things that I would I would never have suggested that using a text to have that sort of conversation would be a good idea, except, except my son, um, he, whenever he finds it really difficult to talk for years, I mean, he's only 22 now, but uh, I would say to him, do you want to talk about this or should we text this? So we would often text stuff because he'd find it difficult. He sits on the spectrum. And so we would do that. He had, interestingly, he's had a boss who he's learned so much from, but it has had some moments of conflict. Of course, he's quite a lot older than him. 
And so actually one of the things that they have done, which I think is quite good actually for a young man and a much older man is he'll say, I really want to talk to you. And this is a, these are a couple of things that I want to talk to you about. And he'll text it and then they'll have a face-to-face. And actually that works really well for them. Yeah. And I thought, you know what, for some people that do find verbal conversation, you know, really stressful, and, you know, might not sleep the night before they've got to say, because they're trying to deal with something like that. Do you know what? I'd never be offended by somebody sending me a text to say, do you know what, Suki, you said this, it, this is how it made me feel. Because I would recognise that if they felt that they needed to text it to me, that actually I'm probably even more scary than I think I am. I think I'm the most easy person to talk to. Clearly, I'm not for everyone. And that would be a good thing. And also, I think what I love about that is, they're also setting the expectations up for that time where you do speak face to face because yes. it's almost kind of giving someone like, well, I hate this word pre-read because we have that a lot. But, yeah, it's, but it, is. Yeah. it is. It's giving them that setting them up, say, hey, I just want to chat to you. But also the fact that you do that shows how that person really cares. Like there are millions of people that will upset you over time. And actually, do you care? No. Uh, but then if somebody is trying to spend some time trying to reach out to you, I would take that as this person really wants to have a good relationship with me, which means that I should invest that time back. Um, so I think that's the sort of approach that I've taken with that um, um, route that your son does. And the other thing is, I don't know whether you use this, but sometimes kind of leaving a voice note actually helps because yeah. we've lost tone and like how we speak. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're like, you know, how our mannerisms are, it doesn't come across on text. So tough yeah that's another nice one I like that I think that's yeah I agree I agree um just coming back to Pinterest again because I you know one of the other things that I think it does so well is enables these kind of conversations to have and you, you've talked a little bit about the culture but also um you know you have you have held some brilliant events that are you know kind of beyond and, and sort of talk to society Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wonder whether you've got a favourite one of those or a favourite area that you've been trying to work around and, and talk about and give people a voice at. Um, in terms of our bigger events? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, so what's what's really lovely about Pinterest is that it's the platform for everyone. So you would have seen that in terms of like the product innovation that we do. It, there's DNI is really baked into that. So representing everyone is important to us. And you know, we it, we we do our best and we're not perfect, but, you know, uh, we have to be diverse by default. And to do that is through all the work that we put into the platform, but also how we show up in um, various different events. And, you know, it probably helps that I'm, um, yeah, women, Indian woman, uh, which I've said probably about three times in this uh, podcast already. But, you know, I'm always, always thinking about representation on like panels and talks and things like that. Representation probably from um, gender, probably from like uh, from, you know, um, ethnicities, LGBTQ plus communities and things like that. Like it's diversity is so big and huge um, that we have to be thinking about all different um, types of people. And um, I think it makes you show up well. I think I, there's a lot more richness in an event and a lot more content, more diverse speakers, different types of people from different dialects. And I just, I think it just makes me feel like we're putting on a 
a great event um, when we have so many different types of people, diverse versus diversity of thought as well across the board. And, you know, we've run, um, we did it, we held a big event at the beginning of this year, which obviously we had to do virtually because, you know, thank you, COVID. But it was, you know, we, it was a global event. So, that, you know, we were all over the world filming in different types of places. And I thought that was um, fantastic for us. And we also do like DNI talks internally too. So we've had really interesting people come through from the DNI team. So we had um, Monroe Bergdorf, who was um, who's just an amazing um, transgender model. Works with L'Oreal. She's on the board of uh, L'Oreal at the moment, and does tons of things too. So I did a I did an interview with her, but loved her so much. And that was introduced by the DNI team. It was like we need to put her on an event. So she came and joined us at an event, and she was so powerful and really, really like again like uncover some of our own unconscious bias with like some of the things that she was speaking about and how hard it is when you're in the um and uh, as transgender as well and we also had Sinead Burke at one of our um, presents events and she also consulted with us and made us more um you know we were starting to build in subtitles we brought in somebody to do sign language and you know there was lots of discussion of like should we be doing that but you know if we don't start doing that we don't invite people that are disabled into our world because we're not selling we're not we're not saying hey we're open for business for everyone so it was really important for us to like Sinead really helped us like get better and stuff and she did a great talk too but her brain helped us be improve our brains I would say yes yes I agree and I think you know absolutely and you know one of the I think those people have been really really inspiring um and but I think the other bit that I just love is the way that it sounds like this sounds like an ad for Pinterest and it's absolutely not it's just I do really love Pinterest and you know when I'm one of our seven needs is having a creative outlet and sometimes and this is a suggestion I was given workshops when people have got literally no time got no time to be creative I really really want to be so I'm like it's fine create a new pin is it do you call it a pin like what yeah, yeah. um and so they go, what? I mean, so literally, and you know this, because I we have we have designed the whole of our house based on pins, my garden. We did, we then did uh we did an outdoor cinema that we created on pin before we bought all the bits. Uh, I want to see that. I want to see your board. <laughs> and, it's, and it's so good. And then actually, after one of your events, um, where he was talking about how he created his business as a pin. Mm. I have a let's reset pin so you know if people are joining us or they're working with us they can go on and see the essence of let's reset so there's quite a lot of turquoise but there's you know obviously the health and well-being and purpose and things that we've just created visuals on the pin um and my latest one is uh household plants yeah so actually the latest one is two things one is household plants and the other one is and I know it sounds really pathetic but it's fashion so what I can wear now I'm now I'm going out in the world again, because before COVID, I really was quite a formal suits person mm-hmm. and, you know, dresses and stuff. And, and I'm like, well, that's not really the world of work clothes anymore. So I've had to be inspiring new ideas. And I wondered, so I wondered what was on your pin list? What have you got? Oh, I love the fact that you said fashion, because I think fashion is like, it, it sounds really bluffy, but like when you are, when you've got, the, the style that you want it gives you so much more confidence but also yeah. it makes you feel like 
you know, again, like earlier on, uh, we talked about this, but like, who is the woman, who is the woman you want to be? And actually, um, fashion is a way of, is a creative way of expressing that. And also for people to kind of understand how, who you are and how they should work with you too. So I was just like you, like, I forgot how to dress at some point. So I actually have a board um, for fashion because I was just like, oh God, like, help me Pinterest so I actually went through that too so um yeah isn't it funny so look I'm going to show you this because this is obviously uh, see this look so that is quite that is quite grungy but look like that please look at these (laughs) literally I mean honestly for this is this is obviously a podcast you can't actually see what I've done but I've basically shown Fisha a a pin uh, which is one of loads on my pin of actually what I'm basically wearing today I love that I love that absolutely in the old days what I used to use magazines and you know but and you have Vogue as a sort of out yeah. there inspiration but this is like a real live mm-hmm. inspiration but it also gives me that sense of creativity that I, I am doing something that pushes me a little bit differently yeah I, do you know I think that's it right it's like it takes you out of your typical mindset of like oh I need to just go and buy in the shop and what am I going to look at and oh, I'm just going to scroll and I've been doing this because I'm trying to plan some outfits for next week but it really helps to kind of see what you have a vision of what it is because suddenly you realize hold on I didn't realize that those jeans would look nice on me but I think I kind of like them and I'm going to put that on my board mm-hmm. and what's really quite interesting is that you become an inspiration for somebody else because of the fact that there's lots of saved content on Pinterest. So somebody else will be saving from your board. So you're inspiring other people too. So I think there's some really lovely connection in terms of um, how people sort of respond to um, collecting ideas and and saving content. Uh, There's somebody in my team that actually spoke about the fact that he takes, he's a photographer, he took a picture and he was like, he had it up. And he said there was so many clicks and so many saves on it. He was just like, he had to take it down for a bit because it was just like overwhelming because it's like everybody really wanted a piece of it. And um, and then there's some people that really like to like manifest their lives. And um, I was just recently in LA and saw a friend of mine who I used to work with. And she said, I took a picture of this beautiful lane in Notting Hill and I put it up and I... I thought this is like she just I just saved it in my in my board and she's like guess what I ended up living there when I came back so she Mm -hmm. actually ended up living on the street that she once saved on her board so I thought that was just like personally really fascinating so I might start saving like you know money or a house yeah well you know that's so cool this is I've never thought about this before I have and I've spoken about this quite a lot um I do my vision board uh but it's on the inside of my wardrobe yeah and so on the right-hand side, it's always divided into four. I've had it for years. And almost everyone that works for me is so bored of having to do these boards. And we always do them in January and then we update them. I've never thought about making it, making it into a pin. You should. I've started yeah. doing, like, have you done an idea pin? No. So fun. You should do that. I got quite addicted to it over when I started doing it over the weekend. I did a makeup look. And then I started doing another one around how to style a white shirt and it's really easy because and it stays on your board and it's like continuous so I think I think you could do a couple especially on um on how to reset so and actually what's really lovely about that is I don't have to create multiple types like multiple idea pins and keep churning out content like you kind of create it and it lives there and and it's it's shareable with other people and because we have 
um like people don't tend to like comment on pinterest like it's if they do it's lovely stuff um and there's it it doesn't invite like you're not sort of doing it for other people if that makes sense you're kind of doing it for yourself a lot so i think there's something quite nice about not having you know i post on instagram for example and i i'm addicted to posting on instagram i i love doing that and I'm always conscious of where I'm posting in different types of platforms. But for some reason, I think it's because of the way that the nature of Pinterest is, it feels very personal, that I feel like I'm creating my, for myself and for the small community that follow me, um, whereas I'm not sort of showcasing myself to the world and inviting some unwanted comments. So, you know, I think I did this idea pin and I was like, didn't put any makeup on at the beginning and I never do that. And I thought, who cares? Because it's Pinterest. People feel okay with that, right? They're like, you know, yeah. and I didn't get any bad comments or anything like that. So it made me feel quite good. Yeah, I can see that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so Visha, look, you, um, you've you just taken us through a lovely journey of your life. And thank you for sharing some of that really intimately. I, I wonder what does, what's next? What What do you look like in the future? How are you, you know, you're on this big journey of discovery and you're an amazing leader now where how are you looking to evolve oh I love that question um and I think it's the question that I I think we have to constantly be asking ourselves because we're like continuously evolving but you know what I hope um to be is continue to work in a place that really brings me a lot of joy and lines up with my values which is why I love working at Pinterest and doing what I did um doing what I did when I first joined it's like building incredible talent and actually seeing people be successful in their careers because I think that's really what makes me really quite happy so seeing people grow seeing people um win stuff (laughs) seeing people you know kind of uh uh be be their most creative um is is really really fulfilling for me um obviously you know being the boss I have to measure their ROI and things like that but um but yeah no that that's that would be it and I you know I've got I've got multiple things on my board too honestly Suki I was like I'm like the the amazing house that I'm going to be living in or like you know the the place I want to be and when I bought this flat after my breakup I was like I did genuinely think really hard about creating a home where when I sit sit here I feel really proud and I think that's the thing that I would want to do is like wherever I end up it's just like whatever my surrounding is I feel happy and feel like proud that I that I did that you know I feel proud of my job given where I came from and how we grew up and I feel proud of the fact that I've got here this far and you know why that's that's kind of the, the the future right yeah, absolutely. And and in terms of your sort of life, so, you know, the career, it's always easy to kind of talk about the career. And it's and it's difficult if you've been in a breakup, you know, sometimes you can't imagine being with anyone else. Sometimes you don't want to be with anyone else for a bit. But, you know, how, how you think about your life, your friendships, your your time to do the things outside work. How do you look at that balance? I think I think what I realise um and I've been thinking about this a lot over the last few months as well, uh, that I love what I do as a job, but 
connection is so, so critical. So spending more time with my family, with my friends and having fun at work. I think you and I talked about this when we met for breakfast, actually, which is like spending more time with the people that you love means that you show up well at work, means that you show up well in all these other relationships that you have. So I think for me, it's definitely I've the priority is is that and you know I think so I think I spoke to you about like comparisons too I think you know Instagram is not real life and I might look for example like I'm having a rock and roll life um but actually I'm just living a typical normal life just like anyone else and I think you know I'm spending a lot more time investing in my friends and say well actually I'm not out all the time I've, I've got time for you but we're not spending a lot of time talking to each other like a lot of people do find it find it quite strange to or don't feel like they can speak to their speak to their friends and say hey I want to spend some time with you because we're all at these stages where people are having children or they're married or they've got other priorities and stuff so I think spending a little bit more time with my um friends and family is 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 huge for me given the fact that I've gone through so many life changes but for some reason that's the thing that's the most constant right and that you've got to hold on to the constant when things move around in your life all the time I think that's really great advice great advice Avisha it's so lovely to talk to you thank you very much um you know I love the idea of just moving from what is the great expectation on you as a child of growing up as an Indian child with what sounds like an amazing mother in in, in all in so many ways um to being able to make something of your career in a career that you weren't even expected to be in let alone a career none of us could have even imagined when we certainly when I was a child um and and being so open but also finding your own voice and now very much helping other people find their voices as well so Thank you for sharing with us today some of those things that you've done. Um, and thank you for being so open because um, I really love that. I know it's hard, but um, but I know lots of other people will really benefit from it. Thank you. It's so nice talking to you and thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed Reset the Podcast, I'd love it if you would forward it to your work colleagues, friends and family. Reset the Podcast is a Let's Reset and Advertising Week global production. Executive producer is Richard Larson, with me, Suki Thompson. Thanks to our sponsor, Liars Non-Alcoholic Spirits, and voiceover artist, Talitha Penny. Music provided by Audio Network.